0: about tonight. For some of you, this will be nothing new, but there's nothing wrong with repeat. Um, But for those of you who don't know me, my name's Mike Vaughan. Um, I help run the Kingdom Culture course that we run here, uh, and also I'm part of the Heaven in Healthcare uh, team that uh, runs stuff for healthcare professionals. Um, And it probably will be helpful for you to know that I'm a GP uh, in the locality, somewhere over... There, although my sense of direction is pretty bad, so it could be over there somewhere. He's um, over there, good. Pete knows, he's worked there. So, um, I want to establish from the start, because if you don't know me, I do understand the rules of preaching. There are dangers in going on too long. Now, for those of you who listen to the podcast, these are all visual jokes, I'm sorry, you should have been here. And if you're at David's tent right now, you probably wish you were. Um, Don't make your talk too heavy. Try not to point out the blindingly obvious to people. I like that one. I don't know where it was, but caution, caution: water on road during rain. Well, you know, just in case you weren't sure. Don't leave your audience high and dry. Now, according to the press article I saw, that, that truck has been up there for 20 years. So I don't quite know how it got there, but 20 years, a long time. Always give clear-cut direction in your talk. Don't leave people confused. Try not to leave your audience feeling overwhelmed. Now actually, I'm rather impressed with the bucket guy. I think he's got faith or positivity in his nature make sure you get your priorities right now from the back you may not be able to see but it says so caution the of sharp edges which is clearly what they want to talk about and also the bridges out ahead in small writing <laughs> good to know and finally I think it's very important that you make sure you have a clear cut message that people can go home with and this again is it's a bit, you know, I like this one. It's like my preaching, punchy. Slow down or die. It's, you know, it's got pathos. So now we've dealt with the basics and you understand, I understand the rules of preaching. I need to ask you a very important theological question. Now I have asked this question about three years ago on a different talk, but I feel it's time to ask the question again. You Ready? Who can take who in a fight? Do you think the large Afro-Caribbean guy or do you think the nice Asian lady? Hands up for the Afro-Caribbean guy. Okay, hands up for the Asian lady. Well, you're feeling a trick coming on, aren't you? I can tell. So there is a bit of a trick. Now, the more observant of you will notice that this guy is actually blind. Now, that isn't the reason why he's going to be in trouble if he gets in a fight with a lady. In fact, it's got nothing to do with his personal qualities whatsoever or his abilities. It's all about who backs them up. Because this gentleman is called Walton Alfonso Webson, and he is the ambassador to Antigua and Barbuda at the United Nations. Now, their defense force, their their entire defense force, is one of the world's smallest. They have a fighting force of about one battalion, which is about 250 men, and a navy flotilla of four ships. They have no air force. How about the lady? Well, in her day job, Nikki Haley is the United States ambassador to the United Nations. The United States is meant to be the world's number one military power in the world. They have two point five million men at arms, half of which are on active duty. They have nearly nine thousand main battle tanks. They've got over a thousand multiple launch vehicles. Let's talk air power. They've got five thousand fighter interceptors and five thousand fixed wing attack aircraft. They've got nearly a thousand attack helicopters. All this would be a raid against Antigua's 245 soldiers. Now, Antigua is an island, so I think we should involve naval power. So, against Antigua's four ships, America's got 20 aircraft carriers, 10 frigates, 62 destroyers, and 72 submarines. Now, in case Antigua's 250 military men prove particularly Difficult and a tough nut to crack. America also has nearly 5,000 nuclear warheads and nearly 1,000 intercontinental ballistic missiles. So I ask you the question again. In a fight between these two, who is going to win? Because it's going to be the woman, isn't it? So my point is it's not about what you see with your eyes or maybe even feel with your gut because the reality of the situation isn't always the same as what's obvious the reason being there's a quantum difference between the amount of people backing up each of these two the amount of force these two can call upon it's been really interesting to me that tonight utterly unprovoked we've been talking about power over and over and over and ultimately We're talking about God's power. Because these two are the physical embodiment of their countries. When they speak, they're speaking on behalf of their country. Now, if you're an Antiguan ambassador, that doesn't really count for much. But if you're an American ambassador, that actually counts for overwhelming force. Now, I'm sure you all know that Apostle Paul called himself an ambassador. In Ephesians 6.20, he says, Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth words may be given me so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And I'm sure you all know, 2 Corinthians 5 says, we are therefore ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Nikki Haley only gets to represent America. We get to be God's representative. Imagine what it must have been like being the ambassador from Britain going to see Hitler and saying, basically, if you don't pull out of Poland, we're at war. One man goes to a nation and says, I represent my country against yours. Yet we represent God Almighty. The thing is, that's quite easy to think about here in this place. It's not quite so easy on the day to day. And I want to share a little bit of my journey and um, just pose a few thoughts about what that means for you. But first, let's just start with what is an ambassador? And the Oxford Dictionary defines an ambassador as a diplomat sent by a state as its permanent representative in a foreign country a representative or a promoter of an activity. And it comes from the Latin "abactus," which derives from the word servant. So actually the definition is quite helpful because it says that we're sent, it says that we're representative, it says that we can promote things, and that basically we need to have a servant heart. So let's look at that definition again. To be an ambassador, you have to be sent to a foreign country. Did you know that the UK has over 152 embassies around the world, as well as 193 consulates and 31 other representations? We have the largest number of foreign embassies or foreign outposts in the world. But of all those countries that we we send representatives to, which is the one country we won't ever send a representative to? It's not not the the, um, Antarctica. It's here. It's the UK. Because we don't need another Brit coming to Britain to represent Britain. It makes no sense. You cannot be an ambassador to your home country. Because we're filled with everyone. And I suppose really the reason I picked on this talk tonight is... I mean, I've been uh, talking to um, some healthcare professionals once or twice trying to get their thinking changing about how they do healthcare... And I just felt God remind me that actually, just on day to day, it's quite possible to get stuck in a rut in the way you think and the way you do things. You know, home is home, work is work, you've got to tend to get up the same sort of time, you've got to get the shopping and the, do the cooking and do the ironing, and you know, you've got to do the things that you've got to do to exist. And, you know, in your. Alright, my wife does some of those things that I need to do to exist. <laughs> <laughs> All right, she does quite a lot of the things that we need to do with this. But let's not go there. But it can seem such a routine that actually you just sort of forget about things. You forget about who we are. You forget about the encounter we've just had. Yeah, you, know, you carry it for an hour or two hours until you get home and you trip up over the dog. Or the boiler's not working, or, you know, you're trying to think, oh, busy day tomorrow. Well, actually, hopefully you won't have a busy day tomorrow because it's my holiday. 1 Peter 2. Peter suggests that we think about where we are quite differently. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. So he considers us temporary residents foreigners and he's writing to you know his fellow countrymen so we're meant to be foreigners i mean it's quite clear where home is isn't it home is heaven colossians 3 says since you've been raised a new life with christ set your sights on the reality of heaven let heaven fill your thoughts don't think only about things down on here on earth for you died when christ died and your real life is hidden with christ in god And we all know the importance of carrying God around with us, being heavenly minded. But I'd like to suggest that there is another place where it could be considered home territory. And it's here. I suggest that if I asked people to put their hands up who were Christians in this room right now, my gut feeling is that it's going to be most of you, if not all of you. That makes this home territory. The place is riddled with Christians. So why would you send an ambassador to somewhere that's already full of everyone of your same kind? We've already established that you wouldn't do it. The UK doesn't do that. So as Christians, you wouldn't really send an ambassador to a church, would you? This is home turf. Now, I love this place. I moved house and job to be part of this place. I've done the, the, the ESSL school. I've done courses here. I've been to conferences here. You know, I, I love this place and I'm fully committed to it. But if that's all I did, that all I ever did was come here, then actually I'm missing out on a huge amount of my calling. You know, if I just, if I just go home to and I go, that was an amazing encounter with God. I'm so blessed. Can't wait for next week. Just going to quietly keep that to myself, and just nurture it and husband it and try and eke it out through the week, and hope to I can get it till the next one, once next Sunday. That's someone we've been called to. Years ago, I was president of Manchester CU, and I was chatting to my compatriot at Liverpool CU, and he was saying, "That is a brilliant idea." they were going to, on the the Saturday night main meeting, said, next week, on the Saturday night meeting, we don't want you to come. We want you to go out with your non-Christian friends and do whatever it is your non-Christian friends are going to do. And if you have not one single non-Christian friend that you can possibly find to go out on a Saturday night, then come to our meeting and pray for everyone else who's out there with the non-Christians. And he said it was just like a normal meeting he said, pretty much everyone that was there was there every week. They had no non Christian friends. They had no links to the outside world. Doing church stuff is amazing, it's fantastic, and we need to meet with God. But then we need to share it, don't we? We need to carry it out. So the truth is, we are called to stand out from the crowd. We're called to be sent out as ambassadors to take that light. When Moses came down from the mountain, his face glowed, didn't it? Everyone could see it. Well, actually, the encounter you've had with God is meant to change you to the point that it's visible to others. But let's face it, we're often tempted to be a different kind of animal than a luminous yellow piranha. We're tempted to be more like a chameleon. Now, I've watched, um, was it Blue Circle and all this sort of, you know, life on Earth and all these things, and I've realized that actually in nature it's. A blue Planet, oh well. I watched it a while ago. Actually, I think Blue Circle is a concrete, fund, concrete company, yeah? They don't blend in. So, the thing I've learned about nature is it does like to blend in, and chameleons are just the best at it, but lots of them do it. John Wimber um, used to say that he was the founder of the Vineyard Church movement. He used to say that if anyone in his, in his family was a Christian while he was growing up, they never blew their cover <laughs> because as far as he knew there wasn 't one. The truth is, it is easy to blend in isn 't it risk free, no stress, no fuss. Just quietly get on about your day to day life, earning your pay getting it you know doing your things and the truth is if you met me as a gp about 10 years ago um up north when i used to work as in stockport up north you probably if you were one of my patients you probably wouldn't know that i was a christian i was active in the church in fact i helped lead the church and i was very happy to talk about my faith if someone asked but it just didn't seem to come about And really, I suspect you wouldn't be able to spot me as being any different from any of the other medics that were there. But about 10 years ago, I had a challenge from God at a meeting. And he said to me, I want you to start standing out. Which is sort of what I did in Florida when it rains. To stand out is a risk. But God said to me, I want you to do Monday to Friday that which you're happy to do on a Sunday pray for the sick, prophesy, do healings, to be willing to do what you're not willing, what you haven't been willing to do so far. Now, doing that kind of thing, standing out, can feel a bit like this that you're on some big high wire act. But it doesn't always... And, and, you know, you may be thinking, oh, he's talking about evangelism. Don't like evangelism. But actually, I'm not. Actually, I'm just talking about you being you. At your workplace, at your leisure place, at your gym. Um, I don't know whether you've heard Emily talk about, a while ago, when she prayed for the Sainsbury's man. At your home, when the delivery man turns up. When she prayed for him. Transformational. But it doesn't have to be hard. I had one lady, one, one patient. I was prompted to give her a Bible. She had a, a real lack of peace, and I felt God say, "Give her a New Testament." So I gave her one and said, "Why don't you try reading this? Um, you might find it helpful." And so she and I gave her a, a prescription, some medication, and she toddled down to the chemist down the road to get her prescription. But the pharmacist spotted her Bible and said, "Who gave you that?" He said, "Well, it's quite funny, the Doctor. Mike gave me that." And she said, well, I'm a Christian myself. Would you like to have a cup of coffee? And so basically she just picked up where I left off and then started to speak to her and, and just, you know, started to evangelize to her. It can sometimes feel a little bit scary. And you don't have to put this in your context. I can only give you examples from my context. But you'll have situations where you think, do I? I was once in a meeting with a very senior colleague, um, and uh, she was plugged into various fairly important committees uh, that, that make a lot of difference to doctors. And I could tell, I could discern that she was in some discomfort. Partly because she couldn't sit down for five seconds without getting up again and she was rubbing her back constantly and basically saying, ow, every five minutes. So using my prophetic ability and, <laughs> and some of my medical ability, I realized that she had a problem with her back. And I spent most of the meeting with God saying to me, I want you to pray for her. And me going, I don't want to do that, God, because she's really powerful. She's in touch with the GMC. She's in touch with the RCGP. She knows NHS England. She actually could make my life really quite painful if she chose to and didn't like what I, what I did. And I felt God say, I want you to pray for her. So in the end, at the end of the meeting, we did what we needed to do. And I just, I just said, look... I can see you're in some pain. I'm part of a church where we pray for healing. We pray for people to um, uh, see breakthroughs in in their conditions. How would you feel if I prayed for you? And she just said, yeah, that's fine. She was desperate by that stage. So I prayed for her. And she got substantially better. In fact, she got so much better that when it started to come back again, She asked me to pray for her. And it got better again. And in fact, ultimately, I had the joy of leading her to Jesus. Because I carried what I had on a Sunday into my everyday. You see, talking about power and military power and that kind of thing, we need to understand that. we have the whole power of heaven behind us. We have legions of angels standing by to come and help us when we step out in faith. Now, you might be thinking, if you were me, sitting in the audience, well, that's all very well. But what happens if it goes awfully wrong? What happens if they don't like what I say, could I cause offence? Well, the truth is it is possible to be a bad representative. This is the slide I used three years ago when I, when I used this ex- analogy in a different talk. Different, large, African caribbean guy. And actually, he, unfortunately, this guy, was Dr. John Ash, was removed from his post because of a corruption scandal, hence the new one. So it's possible to be a bad representative. And we all know that some people that represent our faith, we wish they'd rather not do their thing. Yelling at people via a bullhorn that they are sinners is not my personal uh, view of how to give glory to God. Um, you know, or making a sign, listing all the things that you hate about people. Their hearts might be in the right place, but actually, I think personally, they're a terrible representative for Jesus. But the truth is, you don't have to be a megaphone-holding Christian to be a bad representative. A while ago, um, a doctor I was training spoke in extremely negative terms about a Christian I knew. And basically, uh, she'd worked with this doctor... But my, my registrar had an unfortunate habit of saying God every, few, every sort of every sentence just about. And this doctor had basically collared her about it and given her a right of telling off. The problem is that the doctor who did the telling off was actually quite uncaring, quite indifferent, quite callous, and was actually rather a nasty person. So by the end of that, and then telling her, I'm a Christian, so I don't want you to use the word God because you're offending me, rather put her off Christians. So it is possible to do it the wrong way in terms of representing Jesus. But it's also possible to do it the right way. And I just want to share with you one of my favorite verses. 1 Peter 3.15 Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared to give an answer. The implication is someone's asked you a question. You're not standing on one side of the road yelling at passers-by on the other side. Bullhorn or no bullhorn. Doing it with gentleness and respect. No undue pressure. It's not actually hard. You see, we're not called to tell people they're sinners. It's actually not our job. John 16 says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and God's righteousness and the coming judgment. So which he is the Bible referring to? I don't think it's either of these two. I think, and I know, the verse is referring to the Holy Spirit. And when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of its sin and God's righteousness and the coming judgment. It's the Holy Spirit's job to do that side of things. Our job is simpler. It's to live out Jesus' mission statement. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, healing, set free the oppressed, sozos, inner healing. To proclaim the year of God's favor. To proclaim the good news. We get the easy bit. But to do it with gentleness and respect. You just have to be willing to go with the moment. I once had a patient, he gave me permission to share this story. Most of them I can't share. But he gave me permission to share this one. It was about this time of year actually. It was August. It was very hot. And it was the end of the day... And my surgery was done. And I was just wrapping up. And one of the receptions came in and said that uh, this guy uh, wanted to see me. (sighs) Didn't really want to do it. Um, But I knew he'd had some problems. So I said, all right, go on, send him in. So he sat down and he said, I shouldn't be here. And I was thinking, no, you're right, you shouldn't. (laughs) But he said, last night... I drove to a a rural part of where we were living I drank a bottle of scotch I put a hose on the back end of the car put it through the window and I turned the engine on and I felt myself dying so I said, well what happened? he said, well while I was asleep I ran out of petrol I woke up alive and I should have been dead now I had the opportunity to say well God has saved you for, for a purpose. Now, he needed help. He needed sorting out. And I needed to get him admitted, and I did. But over the course of the next few weeks and months, I, managed to, I spoke to him about this amazing thing that God had done for him. And in the end, he, he became a Christian. <clears throat> you see, Bill Johnson said this. We have delegated authority to establish his kingdom wherever the sole of our foot treads. We have delegated authority to establish his kingdom wherever the sole of our foot treads. He also said, we control the three foot around us. So it doesn't matter what your workplace is like. It doesn't matter if they play loud music or they talk about sex, drugs and rock and roll and all the rest of it. It doesn't matter if you don't actually go to work but you work from home. Because people come to your door or you are you can control your environment and the people you interact with at your gym, wherever. And wherever we go, we carry the authority of heaven. We're his ambassadors. So if there's someone who says, you know, I'm not sleeping well and you pray for them and they come back and say, I had the most amazing night's sleep as I have done. So I've had the best night's sleep I've ever had you can say, well, that's God. That's God stepping in and backing you up. They are feeling God's kingdom invade their kingdom. I have become God's hands and his feet. Like I say, America may be backed up by all its military power. So I bet you if you chatted that lady, she speaks with some degree of confidence. She expects to be listened to. She expects things to happen. Well, you guys are no different. You have more power. You have more backup. When you speak, people will notice the difference. In Acts 14, it says, The apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. The Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. God knows that actions speak louder than words. He backs you up. But what did they do first? They had to give a message for him to back it up. Some of you will know that my first ever healing was an inflamed ingrowing toenail. Now, God and I have regular discussions about the fact you only get a first miracle once. And so mine was an ingrown toenail. Um, But still, what I don't often talk about is the fact that the lady had been struggling with it for some months. So when I prayed for her and she came back two weeks later and said, it's completely better. Her opening words were, are you a healer? So which I was able to say, well, I'm not. No, but my God is and I could talk to her about Jesus. God backs you up. So, when you're at work, how was your weekend, or how are you doing? Just listen. I'm not sleeping well at the moment. I've got a bit of a bad back. Had a cold. and you know, People regularly share things that are wrong with them. That and the weather are the two most common things people want to talk about. Especially when England aren't playing. So just go there. Just take the next logical step and say, "Well, our church, we pray for stuff like that all the time. See amazing things. How would you feel if I prayed for you? It's not hard. You see, you know, when my mate from Tigua offers help and support, no one's really interested." But when someone powerful says, I can make a difference, people take notice. We have a dream in this, in this place that we're looking for the world to start asking the Christians to come and do their thing because they know they need us. Actually, in Heaven and Healthcare, we, we're very much dreaming of an NHS that says, we need you. And I'm pleased to say that's beginning. Emergency room pastors uh, in Sheffield, the NHS England have asked them to look at spreading what they do elsewhere. We have a team that goes into Medway Maritime to, uh, to their A&E. People are going out and transforming what their environment around them. There's a chaplain at Addenbrookes Hospital who's doing wellness um, seminars to staff and seven different specialties have asked her to do this thing for them. The world is starting to see that we have something that they don't. And they're starting to say, can you come and do it here? We have power and we can bring it. So I just want to close quickly with just a few thoughts, practical steps. In the context of this church, when you think about praying for someone, you're thinking about this kind of thing, laying on of hands. But the problem is that the vast majority of people that you meet, when you mention prayer... They're thinking this they're thinking of you on your knees with your hands together on, in a room on your own. They don't expect you to reach out and grab them and start speaking over them. They're not used to it. They don't know the rules. <laughs> I had someone a patient say to me, i knew you as a Christian, I'd like you to pray for me. I said, Sure, happy to. She then got up and left. right okay but her idea of prayer was that that's what happens you don't you know her idea was I'd just be doing this and I have regularly when I've offered to pray for people oh that would be really good so I could pray for you now oh no oh no can you do it when I'm gone which is fine I don't need them to be there God isn't God's like, oh, missed one would have been able to do a miracle but, but now they're out the door that's it they've moved outside the three foot zone it doesn't matter So you've got to ask you've got to explain what you're going to do I don't know how to adopt the legal position we all know what the legal position is for prayer eyes closed, hands open in fact if you ask most non-Christians if they want prayer they're more likely to do this they're curious what are you going to do? I don't know what you're going to do. I want to, start, I, want to, I want to have a look. So what I suggest is just a little, a few simple sentences. First of all, would you like me to pray? I'd love you to pray. Would it be okay if I prayed for you now while you're here? Give them the choice. Then, if they say yes, say okay, well, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask God to bring healing to you or bring peace or whatever the thing is that they've asked for now you can either close your eyes or you can have them open if you want to see what's going on we suggest that sometimes getting something from god is like a like a gift so you might want to have your hands open as if you're going to receive a gift you don't have to but some people find it helpful i'm going to pray a short prayer so i don't know how long you're going to go on for so you need to say it's going to be short don't make it short. Jesus' prayers were very quick. See, hear, get up, pick up your mat and walk. It doesn't, you don't have to pray for half an hour. You haven't got time half the time. So just, I'm going to pray a short prayer and then I'm going to say Amen. Because they don't know when you're done. So I know this is a church where we don't often say Amen. But it's a really helpful tool. Most people know Amen means the end of a prayer. So say it. Then they know they're done. Simple. I tend to say, I I tend to find I get things from God when I touch people. So if it's appropriate, I will say, would it be okay if I put a hand on your forearm or a hand on your shoulder? I would strongly recommend you put it nowhere else. (laughs) Don't put it on their heads. Most women spend ages doing their hair. The last thing they want is someone ruffling it all up. Then, what I tend to do, when I pray for someone is I say amen and then I just take a step back and I do nothing I work on the assumption that if I've done it wrong they'll be sort of you know shuffling around and and embarrassed and want to get out of the area but if I've done it right and thank God whenever I felt prompted to it always does seem to be right you can just see them just doing what we did tonight just engaging with the lover of their souls and for as long as I can stand it, because normally I'm doing it in general practice and I've got, I'm have got i on the clock, I let them stay doing that. And quite often they'll cry. And you just leave them to it and let God do his thing. So just quick, gentle, make them understand what you're going to do. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. God has chosen to limit himself to you. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing. God is actively looking for those who are actively believing in him. If you do it gently, respectfully, anywhere, any place, you're going to be on the most amazing adventure. And are going to find the most amazing power or back up what you're saying and make an amazing difference. Now I know for some of you that is part and parcel of your daily life. It just is. And you're fantastic and you're amazing. And I know for some of you you're effectively like I was when I was a GP 10 years ago where you just think, do you know what? When I think about my workplace, probably what I do is I get in, get the job done and get out. I might talk about the footy once or twice, but that's about it. So I want to end just with a moment of quiet. Because I want you just to engage with Him. With Father God. I want you just to have a think about your week. How you live it what you do with it and just think am I God's hands and his feet am I allowing God to make his appeal through us so just take a moment and just think how am I doing now we don't believe in doing things out of works so the last thing I want you to do is walk away with a message. I've been told by Mike that I've got to go into work and start speaking to people. I don't want you to do that. What I think if you, what you've experienced tonight is the presence of God and your desire is to share it. Now for those of you who have looked and thought, do you know what? I'm not doing that. I'm not very good at picking up those cues, those little things that people say. I'm going to ask you to do something. Because the truth is that I realized that when God challenged me, I had to step out. I could no longer do things the way I used to do. Now I can't stop myself. I can't do it any other way anymore. But I had to realize that I had to stop being a chameleon and start standing out. You know, I had to move to being a yellow piranha. And yellow is not in my color wheel. And aren't you impressed I know about color wheels? But I want you, if you feel like, actually that's not me. I've not been doing that very well. But I now want to make, almost draw a line and say, okay, now I am. I'd like you to stand up. The reason I'd like you to stand up is because you're going to feel silly. And you're going to feel obvious. And you're going to stand out. Which is, on a small scale, the step that you need to be willing to take. I'm not going to guilt anyone. I'm not going to make anyone do something they don't want to do. But it just changes your heart. Say, do you know what? For me, I'm going to do it different. just going to give you a minute more. For those of you who are think, Oh, this is awful. I hate that kind of thing. And I did talk to myself about whether I was going to do it or not. But then I felt God say, Actually, this is a safe place. This is family. This is home turf. If you can't make that kind of declaration here, then you're just not going to do it. So don't worry about it. Brilliant. So if you're not standing up around them, I want you to just lay a hand on these kind people if they're happy to be laid a hand on. Because we're going to commission them. Because they are going to be ambassadors for Jesus. And I don't know if you know that, but there's a special ceremony that goes on when ambassadors are registered and we're just going to just commission them and say, "Brilliant from you." So just come around them. As everyone who stood up got someone laying a hand on them, because I just want to, to just say, we as a family, stand by you. We see you. You are amazing. You are amazing. God thinks you're fantastic. He laughed when he created you. He jumped with joy. He made you a unique, wonderful, special person. And so now, in the name of the church, in the name of Father God, we commission you as ambassadors for Jesus. And we send you out into the world, whatever the world looks like for you. And we say, be God's hands, God's feet, his eyes, his ears, his tongue. We release healing through you, signs and wonders through you, miracles through you. We release the angelic host to walk with you into your workplace tomorrow you'll transform the people around you. Wow, and you'll never be the same again. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much.